श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए ग्रंथरा श्रीमद भागवतम की जाए ओ प्रेमानंदे सो गुड इवनिंग वी कंटिन्यू आवर डिस्कशन फ्रॉम श्रीमद भागवतम एंड वी नाउ कम टू चैप्टर 4 चैप्टर 4 प्रॉपर इज एंटाइटल्ड द अपीयरेंस ऑफ श्री नारदा व्यासुवर्च इति ब्रुवानम संस्तुत्य मुनिनम दीर्घशत्रिनम पिद्धकुलपतिसुतम पवृच्छा शोनको ब्रवित सो कंटिन्यूइंग द नैरेटिव ओम मीटिंग the temporal and the eternal it appears in materials that um paper and ink and glue and all those things in the printing industry that um Indra is just quite familiar with right so uh to say it's spiritual what does it mean hmm? spiritual book somewhere else Ishvana Chakravarti Thakur has described it as a vaikuntha planet within the material world so uh the idea is that it's a meeting between the temporal and the eternal so it it's made of things that um are temporary but if we approach it on its terms we experience that which is eternal which is not the case with other books so this is an extraordinary meeting the deity is a similar manifestation hmm? even the lord's leela in this world manifest in this world is is there's a similar idea to that of course it's not temporary but does disappear it appears krishna appears to pass away and so on and so forth so um while these things these particular manifestations of divinity may be dismissed by others it's very unfortunate because they are the very things that are meant to take them beyond their their doubting which isn't a comfortable position to be in hmm? no doubt so the book uh, the chapter i should say ended with a beautiful glorification of shrimad bhagavatam idam bhagavatam namam puran puranam ब्रह्मसंहितम उत्तमश्लोकचरितम चकार भगवान निशीर्षय शाहलोकस्यादन्यम स्वस्त्यायनम महत एंड एन आंसर टू द सेजेस क्वेश्चन वन ऑफ द क्वेश्चंस लास्ट ऑफ देयर क्वेश्चंस इन द फर्स्ट चैप्टर एज टू व्हाट वेयर वुड डार्मा बी प्रोटेक्टेड वेयर कैन वी स्टे इन टच विद नॉलेज एंड सो फॉर्थ एंड इन इंप्लिकेशन इज विद ऑल द ऐश्वर्या दैट uh really constitutes the personality of god in parashara muni's definition of bhagwan 
uh, is, uh, well, of God, is Bhagwan, possessor of all bhag. Bhagwan bhan means possessor, so possessing all opulences. Aishvarya, Sisimagrasya, Viryasya, Yusasya, Shriya, and so on. So dharma, strength, uh, that's a kind of strength, religious strength, moral strength, um, wealth, fame, knowledge, renunciation, and so on and so forth. Krishna personified these things in full, therefore he's all attractive, therefore he is, he's God. This is Parashara's definition of God. So with his passing, the sages are wondering, were wondering where are all these things going to be uh, found, preserved, how can we keep in touch with them and so forth, especially the Dharma and, and um, or proper, proper conduct religion that he personified, he's described in later on in, well, in, or later on in this book in the 10th canto is Dharma Setu, uh, the very bridge of Dharma. This is uh, the words used by uh, Parikshit Marsh after he heard about his rendezvous with the Brajsundaris, the gopis, and he had a quandary about that. So anyway, uh, glorification of Srimad Bhagavatam, and that was followed by a brief introduction of Sutta Goswami, who had also been introduced earlier when Sutta Goswami began to speak by way of two verses glorifying him, um, the guru, ostensibly the Sikshu guru of Sutta Goswami, appropriately he glorified his guru before speaking, and and so at the end of this third chapter, again he mentions Sutta Goswami, he starts to tell a little bit um, about him. Hmm? And about two, three, four verses about Sutta Goswami's character and so on and so forth. And ultimately he says that he um, he heard himself, Sutta Goswami heard from Sugadev when he spoke to Raj Parikshit, and he um, was is going to speak what he heard there according to his own realization. He's going to speak what he heard from Sugadev according to his realization. So he begins to, uh, well, this is uh, um, kind of setting the scene here, the first verse, but Sutta Goswami um, It's a narrative, so it's upon hearing Sutta Goswami speak thus, in reference to the previous chapter. Uh, particularly, this is not with regard to the whole descriptions of the avatars and so forth, but with regard to the description of Sutta Goswami. So we're going into here the history of the book that uh, Sutta Goswami is going to speak about. The questions that will be asked here by the sages about uh, Sonaka will glorify Sutta Goswami with a couple of verses and then on behalf of the sages he'll ask about more about Sukadev and um, and then he'll, he'll ask about Maharaj Parikshit and then uh, after those questions then um, the uh, Sutta Goswami will begin to speak and he'll begin to speak about Vyas Hmm. So he wants to. You ask a question, and you get a story that doesn't seem related, but it all comes together a couple chapters later. This is the fourth chapter. Later in the seventh chapter, after the story of Vyas, which it begins in this chapter, uh, his despondency, hmm, 
uh, Nard's appearance, then Nard, what do we sometimes call the Nard Bhagavatam, the story, and then the 12 or so verses where Nard speaks the uh, the glory of the really the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. We have Bhagavatam in four verses from Krishna to um, Brahma. We have it in about 12 verses from Nara to Vyas. There's many different Bhagavatams, if you will, essential message packaged in different ways at different times. We have to distinguish the packaging from the message also. Hmm? So he'll speak about Vyas, and, and Nard will enter the scene, and the story of Nard, and Nard will speak. Nard's coming to the rescue, to, to save Vyas from his depression, and, uh, and he gives him the, the, the pill of Srimad Bhagavatam. The, uh, uh, what are they called? It's, uh, antidepressant. <laughs> Srimad Bhagavatam, medicinal elixir. Uh, as I say, in about twelve verses, instructs him and so forth, and uh, and um, and then into chapter seven, the, the, the narrative goes a little further, and and the the vision of Vyas uh, at the time of then taking Nard's instructions to heart and penning, compiling the, the Srimad Bhagavatam. In new form, there was already a Bhagavad Purana, so he's kind of re-editing it and and uh, uh, bringing out fully the glories of uh, Sri Krishna and Bhakti, Srimad Bhagavatam, as opposed to the Bhagavad Purana. Um, and uh, so the description of Vyasa's trance and so forth. And after that, we, that then, then the questions that are asked here start to be answered about Sukadeva, uh, about Parikshit Maharaj, and then so the story of Raj Parikshit and how he was cursed, and we go suddenly we're entering into the Kurukshetra War. Drona is punished, and uh, and uh, um, the, the, the story of Parikshit Maharaj being saved in the womb from from the the bomb, the arrow, the weapon of Ashvatthama, and so on. So Parikshit's history. And there'll be a number of chapters about Pariksha's history and so on. And this way the Bhagavatam weaves uh, its way with questions and answers covering a lot of ground. And we'll wind down at the end of the first canto with more of a focus on really what's coming here, the story of Sukadev and, uh, and Pariksha Marsh. And then the second canto will begin with Sukadev's actually speaking. Hmm? Shisuka Vacha. So, um, this is a this particular chapter is a, is a little bit more historical than than it is uh, philosophical, <clears throat> but there are courts points that uh, it can be uh, raised and drawn from it from our benefit. So we'll read through a few verses um, here. Iti Bhuvanam Sangstuta. So um, uh, the uh, Sonaka, Sonaka is, is speaking, and he's he's described here. Muninam dirga satrinam, and he's speaking Muninam dirga satrinam on behalf of all the sages who are uh, gathered for a sacrifice, which we heard, of course, in the beginning of the book. For a thousand-year sacrifice, they were gathered, and so on. So um, the why 
something about his position, the distinguished um, leader of the sages who is asking the questions, um, his, his uh, nature, his, the reason for his um, being singled out to represent them and so forth has not been discussed. So it's coming here. Vridda kulupati sutam so some glorification of Sonaka, some idea of uh, Vaishnav, if you will, uh, etiquette and so forth is, can be drawn from this. Brida, he's older, so he was uh, senior. Hmm? Uh, that is a somewhat of a relative uh, qualification. After all, the contrast is that Sukadeva was only 16. He was a boy and he was qualified. But still, age is, um, and the wisdom that comes from that, it's uh, difficult to replace. If you can become fully self-realized, you become ageless, timeless, you become wise and a sage, you become old, an old soul, a young body, and so forth, as, 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 as at any time you do as with the case of Sukadeva, but we should hope, we should think that by the time people get a little older, that they live their life properly, that they, they have something to offer the younger generation. Um, unfortunately, in today's world, the older people often try to uh, just perpetuate their, their, their youth uh, and don't have much to offer to the older generation. It, it lacks, in some respects, in elders and... and um, the, the an idea of um, of uh, the elders making a significant contribution um, to the world. Um, so the system that the, uh, that uh, or the social system, if you will, around which the Bhagavatam is emerging, was one in which much was expected of the. Elders, they were to live their life in such a way that they could actually have wisdom at the end, and and uh, and share that, and show by their example hmm, how to how to wisely use one's time in youth. Youth is very valuable. It's the whole idea of Krishna adolescence, the Kishore. It um, it, it uh, the mystics have envisioned and described Bhagawan in the most comprehensive. Um, sense when they describe Sri Krishna, and he's de- he described the experience as a youth, as an adolescence. It's, it uh, it uh, it really uh, so it speaks to us on so many levels. But relative to the points I'm making here, the value of youth. Everyone is attracted to youth. The military wants the youth. The corporate world wants the youth. Um, the parents want the youth to stay at home and uh, <laughs> and not get older and change and so on and so forth. To some extent, so youth is very attractive, very valuable, but its real value is in how we use it because those are, as it said, the formative years. So, using it very wisely, um, that uh, uh, gives us the potential then in our elder years to be uh, someone that can um, um, help the world and. Uh, younger generations and so on. And it's, you know, this is a universal principle. I mean, the, the children send to school, they're supposed to, you know, they should sacrifice for education, this is the time 
that um, if they get the education, they'll be that much more, that much better suited for the world and so on. So the idea of Krishna as a youth, this all this really comes to bear if we think about it. The importance of youth, how to use our time. The problem is that we're attractive at that time, so it's intoxicating. Potentially, very everybody wants us, so we think we're very valuable, rather than thinking that the youth is valuable that I have for a moment. And why does people want it? It's not that I'm attractive; youth is attractive. I have it for a moment, and what is its value? The older people are thinking. The youth, oh, I went, if I had that, I would have done it differently. You know, now if I could have that youth again, so forth. And how I would have spent my time. Yeah. So the, the real idea is not to be intoxicated by the youth, but to see why it's valuable to others. And then to think, let me let me take advantage of that. Use it wisely. So anyway, here the word Brita Old, he's, he's senior amongst them. So he was chosen to come forward and address... Sutta Goswami, not only was he a senior, but um, Gulapati means he had, um, he's the head of the assembly, and it means, it implies also a good family, good background. Uh, he had the good qualities. He was a natural authority. And, and this is really the case. I meant to put, made the point the other day that anarchism is a very interesting phenomenon. It's, 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 said that the Brahmins and the sannyasis are anarchists, in a sense. Um, and anarchism, on its face, appears to be speaking about no authority, and you think, well, that sounds you know, terrible. But it actually accepts what, what we could call natural authority. In other words, when people exhibit qualities, skills, and abilities, and, excuse me, excel in a particular field, we take advantage of them. Hmm? This is really kind of the idea of spiritual authority. There are other things that we put in place. He's elder, he's been he's a senior man, he's been around longer, you know. And that has some play, and that is true to some extent, and we should youth res- should respect the elders and so on. But then again, if he or she doesn't uh, just an old body <laughs> and doesn't have any any uh, really wisdom to share uh, by example or by their speech and so forth, then you know you have this phenomenon where okay, the god brothers of the guru, um, let's say Prabhupada's god brothers of his guru, they should be respected and so forth. But it's hard to do that sometimes when they don't um, conduct themselves in such a way that really uh, draws commands uh, respect. So it's not really a system here of demanding. Respect and on the basis of uh, any, any list of qualities short of actual spiritual substance, inside ability, and, and, and so forth, that someone should become um, uh, comes in, becomes an authority. That, uh, that becomes a real problem, and we have to bow down to some guy or listen to her class and so forth, and it's just boring. Hmm? This is this ruins the whole thing, whole thing makes it a bit of a sham. So we should look for essential spiritual qualities and be guided by that, and wherever they appear. Therefore, there's a nice story in Mahaprabhu's Leela when he asked uh, Mukunda, who is, the, uh, he was with Raghunanda and his son, he says, Mukunda, who is the father and who is the son here? And so Mukunda was astute and 
He said, uh, Raghunandan is the father and I am the son. There's the famous story of how Mukunda had uh, taught his son how to make the offering to the deity in the house and then he went out and so the son made the offering and when the mother came back, the uh, prashad was saved on the plate for the father and, and the mother and so forth, but some of it had been eaten. So the mother said, how, how could you eat the offering? Uh, you know, you made the offer, but afterwards, how could you eat the prashad before your father's come home? Hmm? He said, no, no, I didn't eat that. I offered it to Bhagwan as he told me, and he ate. Hmm? Uh, and she said, oh, oh, this is even worse now. He's going to be a liar. To, you know, here I've caught him in the act of what would be a violation of the family etiquette at the times, and now he's going to lie about it. So she tried to school him further, and he he said, no, well, that's not the case, you know, the deity ate. So the father came home and said, well, we'll see if he ate, you know. So Mukunda asked the child and Rabbanan insisted and so the father said, okay, I'll tell you what, if the deity ate, then mother will cook, we'll make another offering, you offer it again, we'll see if he ate. So the son said, all right. So then he started to get a little nervous, Mukunda. Like, that was, was, was supposed to be the deal, you know, sealer or the bottom, you know, checkmate, you know. Okay, so without any hesitation. And so Mukunda went to make the, or Raghunanda went to make the offering. And Mukunda couldn't resist. He like peeked behind the curtain you know, at a certain point. He said, what's happening? Hmm? And, uh, and then the deity stopped. Hmm? Hmm? And he got some impression that this is what happened. And so he realized, when my son offers, the deity actually eats. Of course, he actually eats according to our devotion, but if our devotion is very powerful, it's possible he might physically show that he's eating the offering as well. Hmm? It happens. So, Mukunda could understand Raghunanda, and my son is more spiritually advanced. So when Mahaprabhu asked the question, with his own omniscience, he knew, and then he, but he tested Mukunda, and Mukunda gave the answer. Raghunanda is the father, and I'm the son. So... Formerly, the, the husband leads the wife in the Vedic culture, but what, what we find is important in Bhagavatam is, is the essence. Hmm? And so we, we gravitate towards that. If the wife is more Krishna conscious, then she should lead the family. Hmm? Then she's the guru. And so this is, this is Bhagavatam always, and Mahaprabhu demonstrated this himself, cutting across this uh, wherever any other standards which should be in place and, and make sense for offering respect to elders, for example, good family and all and what whatnot, wherever they get in the way hmm, of actual spiritual essence, then they are to be discarded. And it's an unfortunate thing that we have we find today, for example, in the Godia community, people cannot make uh, that kind of uh, distinction often. What the social-religious system, for example, of Barnashram is about, it's all about body. It's all about the body. And the 101 of Srimad Bhagavatam is that it's about the soul, about consciousness, and it goes from there, so high, into the potential, the prospect of the soul, the nature of consciousness. As I say, we take the essence of Bhagavatam, it's Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's called Chaitanya Charit. 
Amritam. Chaitanya means consciousness, charit. The character, the immortal, Amrit. Uh, Mrit means death. Amrit means deathless, so immortal, but it also means nectar, so the, the deathless, uh, you know, uh, the immortal nectarine charit character of consciousness, or the the uh, the, uh, the the character, the nectarine character of consciousness in immortality. It's not just saying that, in other words, that consciousness is immortal. Immortality is realized here. This is the 101. There's a difference between matter and spirit, consciousness and matter. Hmm? No, it seeks to go, it, it does go far deeper than that. This is the beginning only of the idea. And that's staggering. That will turn the world upside down. Hmm? So, um, Chaitanya Charit Amritam, and this is the essence of Srimad uh, Bhagavatam. And then we find people uh, in a Gaudiya community who have read the books and so forth, and they 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 they, they cannot um, make that distinction hmm? when appropriate. We, we want to follow a certain social order, customs, some of some cultural um, aspects of, a, of an old tradition that are beautiful and and beautifying and charming and meaningful and so forth. But they're only as meaningful as they foster essential spiritual life. To the extent that they don't, um, then they have to be altered. And so this is a really very, very relative thing. The whole of Varnashram is completely relative. What's it relative to? What does is, what is, what is Bhagavatam say? What does Sutta Goswami say earlier on? He says, Sangsidhir Haritoshanam. Hmm? To the extent to which Hari is pleased by it, then it's meaningful. Otherwise, Shrama Ebahi Kevalam, he says. It's a waste of time. Hmm? If it doesn't give Vishvakshena um, Kata, Ruchi, if it doesn't give a taste for the topics about Hari, about Krishna, hmm? then you've wasted your time only. Hmm? So here we find someone maybe giving essential hadikata and so forth and it's uh, it's not understood because it seems to cross over the um, uh, um, well it does it it, it it crosses over often the uh, the social social considerations um, and uh, um, a uh, whatever a social system of, of times gone by it may modify it, it may cancel it out it may and it, we find often it can't be, it's not recognized by people. This is, this is how heavy the bodily conception of life is. It's an interesting idea because this is the very thing that the Bhagavatam is fighting against. Because when the sages ask about Dharma, hmm, what's the essence of Dharma and so forth, hmm, then Sutta Goswami begins this discussion in the second chapter that, that, that contrasts the Prema Dharma that he's going to speak about, the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, showcases an ordinary dharma. Savaipumsa paro dharma. paro dharma. He comes to that verse about paro dharma after um, giving his perspective on what is normally thought to be dharma. Hmm? And again, he's not um, he's not speaking of it in really um, 
He's not praising it. He's kind of, he's kind of in comparison to what he wants to talk about, it's not very meaningful, it's not very useful. And, and so you, you have a society that was preoccupied with that, and that was a, that's a problem for coming to bhakti. You can be too religious to come to bhakti. Mm-hmm. It can be, it can, you can be too pious, and uh, the piety can get in the way of your understanding bhakti. There's Krishna, again, cutting across the dharma, and his devotees and so forth in highest sense, these are these are maybe easy for us to embrace in one sense, but we see how hard it actually is. We see then devotees even con- converted by an essential kind of a spiritual surge and urge, then they still they gravitate towards a very um, material, if you will, understanding of these spiritual teachings. So, you know, to keep harping on these same, same points, these aren't old arguments that are no longer of value. And we see it very practically. Prabhupada kind of goes into this in a way in his, in his purport here, that the, the, the sage uh, Shonaka is, is glorified. Three things here. Vridha, his old age, Kulupati, his, his uh, family lineage. But beyond that, Babricha Shonaka. Babricha means... He was learned, yeah, and that means he had realization. And so he's very much, uh, Sonoka is very much appreciating what Sutta has said at the end of the previous chapter. Very much appreciating that, that you are going to speak, you said that you're going to speak according to your realization in terms of what Sukadev spoke. You're going, this is very important. He said, Sukadev spoke in a particular way, and you are going to speak such as to represent him, that we can understand by the way in which you've, you, you've, you've mentioned him and you've glorified him and uh, you started to tell his story and so forth. You're not an independent, um, you know, maverick, uh, um, make it up as you go along, fly-by-night, uh, new uh, spirituality here. Hmm? You've got a tradition and lineage. You heard from the sage Sukha, and he's uh, very famous. You were actually there. You heard from him. You know the history and so forth. Um, so we want to hear it uh, firsthand from you. But but the important thing is, it's clear that that you're honoring your uh, your guru, and on the basis of that, you're going to speak, and you're going to speak according to your own realization. So it's going to be different, mm-hmm. he says. It's going to be different, and we're eager to hear that. Different presentation as it comes through you. As I said earlier, well, Nard spoke the Bhagavatam to Vyas. Vyas taught it to Sukadev. Vyas went, I didn't say this, but Vyas went and sat and heard from Sukadev. And Nard was there too. Hmm? So in effect, Sutta's Goswami here He's, he, he's going to glorify Sutta uh, or, or Sarnaka. Uh, he's going to glorify Sutta Goswami. And this is what it's all about. It's like, I want to hear what... Uh, it's going to come out new. It's going to be the same, but it's going to be different. Hmm? When Prabhupada here, maybe in the first two verses in his purport, or two or three, he, he brings this point up to one extent or another. Uh, when he talks about it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be the same, but it's going to be different. When he says it's going to be the same, he says, it's not going to be a Mayavad presentation. It's not going to be something that he just makes up. So these ideas, you can see how they're abused. 
we should simply represent, for, I'll give you an example, Prabhupada, you know. Say what Prabhupada said, whatever Prabhupada said, he, we should say, if you're not faithful to that, then, uh, you know, then problem and so forth. But it's not at all the idea of that, the spirit of that is not all a literal, just saying um, exactly what he said and, and so forth, but that you're faithful to the spirit of it, to the actual um, message, and it's understood. And because you've understood the message, we can expect that it will come out differently. And uh, it's, it, it, it's, you know, Sugadev was a parrot, but, it's, but the example is not given that he parroted um, uh, what he heard from Bias like a parrot does and has no sense. He, he, the parrot's example is given, you know, a parrot just speaks mindlessly. Eh, hello, hello, you know, I love you, you know. Okay, you can't take that seriously. Um, so the example of the parrot, and Sukha means parrot, is different. What is the example? It's not, he spoke like a parrot, he just repeated it exactly. No, he parrot touches the fruit, the mango, and it becomes sweeter. Hmm? This is the example given at the onset of the bog. Because he touches it, it becomes sweeter. It means more comes out of it. More is supposed to come. More of the same. I want more of the same. And I'll never tire from hearing of it because of the nature of the subject. Hmm? So this is the idea. So Prophet gives it kind of, and he'll do this repeatedly whenever this comes up. It's amazing how it can be missed. Extreme examples of what it means not to be representative, that it will be a different teaching. A Mayavadi will speak the Bhagavatam hmm, and give a Mayavad conclusion. You know, Prabhupada glorifies um, in his Gita edition the idea, uh, he, he says that the, there could be uh, there there are there are authorized editions of the Gita, and then there are non-authorized. The authorized ones are the ones by devotees. Hmm? So the non-authorized ones are by the non-devotees, by his, his estimation, by the impersonalists, by the people who make it. And it's ironic that that idea can be used to dismiss someone who is actually making the fruit sweeter, bringing about the essence, actually representing and, and according to his or her uh, realization. Hmm? Um, it's a total misunderstanding and then they, they condemn you on the basis of a principle. It should be representing exactly what the previous Acharya has said. You know, Prabhupada said, I never, you know, my, I, my credit is I've only repeated what my Guru Maharaj has said. You know, you could say that and he did. But, he said it way different than Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur in so many ways, you know. Um, and, you know, someone forwarded me a mail that I had said something um, for, uh, with regard to uh, initiation and, and pr what's a principle and what's a detail and so forth. There's no poorest charger for Harinam, there's really, and the poorest charger for Mantra Diksha can be just the blessing of the Guru, according to Hari Bhakti Vilas. So someone replied to him and said, "Well, that's nice. It may be what there in Shastra, but here's what Prabhupada said in 1966 you know, in New York, you know, and he said we we're going to do this first. There will be purification before giving initiation. What's so, you know? Okay, well, you know, let's turn it around. You know, look, here's what Rupa Goswami said. Here's what Prabhupada said. Problem, you know? <laughs> Why is it not a problem?" The same point you're making can be turned on you, and it's even bigger, you know. Here's what Rupa Goswami said, Prabhupada's saying a different. Hmm? 
reason not to believe a Prabhupada. So why do you accept Prabhupada then? Well, it's, 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 it's a matter of really of, of faith. Hmm? So why do you have faith? Well, there are different reasons we have faith and so forth. But, but the, as I mentioned this morning on the, on the phone call, uh, we had the conference call, we have to, the, the, the bottom line is, well, we'll judge by the fruits. That's that. What else can we, and, and, and we know what the fruit should be. Are the devotees enthusiastic for bhakti, for hearing, for chanting? Are they dancing? Are they taking prasadam? Are they having a seven, ten day, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, celebration for Janmastami and Baladev Purnim? Uh, it just goes on and on and on, and when it ends, nobody wants to go home. I mean, what, what more do you want? What, what are we going to do? How are we going to, how are we, what, what, what more kind of evidence do you want that although it's different, it's the same? Hmm? It's the same taste. Yeah, you, you know, well, they lack faith, that's what. But, but is that reasonable? Is their lack of faith reasonable? Hmm? In other words, there's some reasoning to our faith also. Hmm? We, we want it to make sense. We have reasons why we think, for example, Prabhupada was pure and correct and, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Of course, we might say the reasons because it affected me personally. But if you don't give your chance, yourself a chance to be affected personally by someone who's affecting others personally in the way that you were affected, they do the same things, they, they make the same movements, they, they chant the same mantra, and you know maybe they do it you know with more enthusiasm now than and you are and so forth. So... This is a very unfortunate kind of a um, situation that's, that's, that's fairly uh, prevalent in the Gaudiya community spawned by, uh, by Srila Prabhupada. It's, 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 it's a shame. And we had to march forward and um, set a good example that, that you know, some people will take notice of. What can you do? We probably used to give the example. The owl will not see the sun because why? It's a full noon, but the owl closes its eyes at noon or in the daytime. So for the owl, there's no sun. What could be more apparent? Prabhupada was preaching all over the world, and people were singing and dancing, and, and, and Mahaprabhu's prediction was coming through, uh, or being fulfilled through his, his preaching. And somebody said, well, you know, it's not that great. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, they are, you know, they are from Maletches. They are, you know, I don't know what, you know, I don't know if it's real or not. I mean, you know, this is all suspect, you know. And there it is. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's prophecies is being fulfilled by someone. What, what, what can you say? Prabhupada would say things like that. Well, you know, they're envious. That's basically what he would write, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and rightfully so. And so, you know, Unfortunately, if the shoe fits, <laughs> you know, wear it. So, for example, Prophet comments here, Sri Sonakarisi had all these qualifications that I mentioned, and thus he stood up to congratulate Sutta Goswami when he expressed his desire to present Srimad Bhagavatam exactly as he heard it from Sukadev Goswami and also realized it personally. Personal realization does not mean that one should, out of vanity, attempt to show one's own learning by trying to surpass the previous acharya. He must have full confidence in the previous acharya, and at the same time he must realize the subject matter so nicely that he can present the matter for particular circumstances in a suitable manner. The original purpose must be maintained. No obscure meaning 
should be screwed out of it, yet it should be presented in an interesting manner for the understanding of the audience. So this is essentially what, I, what, uh, what I'm, I'm talking about. There it is in his own words. He says, further he says, this is called realization. Hmm? <laughs> oh, there, that's the evidence. How do we know he has realization? <laughs> well, that's, the, that's, that's the evidence. Prabhupada used to say that when you can make your own analogies, when you can draw your own analogies from the world, hmm, then this, this is a symptom of, of, of realization. I mean, you can use the analogies of the Bhagavatam, like the camel chewing on the thorns and so forth. Fine, but it doesn't make that much sense to somebody in Kansas, you know, where they don't have camels chewing on thorns. They don't see that readily. So when, you, when, you, when the world speaks to you, when the, I mean, the Bhagavatam, as we said, it's not the book. It's, not, it's 12 verses. It's four verses. It's 18,000. It's 18,001 verses. Um, it goes on. It's, it, was spoken, it was spoken by... Shonaka, right, by Sutta, the Shonaka, spoken by Sugadev to uh, Parikshit, by, by Nara to Vyas, by Vyas to, uh, to, to Sugadev, by, um, by the uh, Sankarshan to the Kumaras, that's also given in, in, in later on in Bhagavatam and so forth. So there are many different sources, many different speakers, many different listeners. This, what we're doing, this is Sriman Bhagavatam. This is the prop. Hmm. Here, what we're doing, this is Srimad Bhagavatam. And now they think you can't speak the Bhagavatam unless it's Om Namo Bhagavate Vah, and everybody does the same. And if you don't do it exactly, so I have a different, little bit of a different format. Someone could come here and say, unauthorized. Did you see that? <laughs> you know, seriously. I mean, so this is how bad it gets. You know, I give the story of the cat. You know, heard the story about the cat. Try the cat. Can't have the Bhagavatam class unless the cat is tied and so forth. It's an old story. So. Uh, it, these, the, this is don't, don't you should think it's happening right those stories are meaningful it happens again and again think about the Bhagavatam speaking about these things that happen and will continue to happen in this world wherever there is an attempt to disseminate spiritual knowledge these issues are going to come up in one form or another hmm? the fact that there's some resistance some objection so this is par for the course you can expect it hmm? If you're not preaching, nobody's going to be upset. Hmm. If you just come in and you're Mr. Humble, you know, apparently, and uh, platitudes and I can't say anything, Prabhupada's great, you know, what can I say? You know? And uh, then, oh, that's really nice. Yeah, you know, he was really humble, you know. I'm sorry. Prabhupada told me many times, if you're not creating a disturbance, you're not preaching. <laughs> so... <laughs> So this is the idea, and of course, um, um, this is what we want. We want essential representation of the teachings. So, so shonaku vacha sutuskutu mahabhaga bada no bharatam bara katam bhagavatim punyam yad aha bhagavan chuka. Shonaka said, "O Sutta, so you're going to glorify Sutta Goswami now. You are the most fortunate and respected of all those who can speak." And recite, please relate the previous, excuse me, the pious message of Srimad Bhagavatam, which was spoken by the great and powerful sage Sukadev. Hmm? Prabhupada, in this purport, goes on to say that um, Sutta is twice addressed here by Sonaka out of joy. 
Suta Suta Mahabhago. So he's really like, we were really lucky, he's saying, to have you here. You were there with, you know, with, with Prabhupada. You know, you were there with Suta Goswami when it happened then. Hmm? You know, so, and you're, you know, this is what your life is based on. So now related to us in our times, you know, in, in such a way that uh, you know we can witness about this in the future as 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 well. So, out of great uh, joy, they he, he addressed uh, Sutta Goswami more or less, say, "We're really like lucky. It's our great fortune to have you here, and you're going to relate what you heard and according to your realization. You're certainly qualified." Prabhupada says. Um, they were eager to hear the text of Srimad Bhagavatam as it was uttered, uh, that had been uttered by Sukadev Goswami. They were not interested in hearing it from bogus persons who would interpret it in their own way to suit their own purposes. Generally, the so-called Srimad Bhagavatam reciters are either professional readers or so-called learned impersonalists who cannot enter into the transcendental personal activities of the Supreme Person. Such impersonalists twist some meanings out of the Bhagavatam to suit and support their impersonalist views and the professional readers and go at once to the tenth canto to misexplain the confidential pastimes of the Lord. Neither of these reciters are bona fide persons to recite the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So, in the previous purport he said, who's qualified, what is realization, and how? what's a symptom of that, and so on and so forth to represent it in a thoughtful way, interesting way that can capture the audience. Not one of these presentations that everybody, like I say, has fallen asleep sitting through and, and you know, Mars is going to talk. Okay, we're supposed to go to the Bhagavatam class, you know. Um, this is, 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 you need a visit from Sukadeva Goswami to that temple, you know, to stir things up and wake people up and so forth, so... And a good, good speaker like this who had this understanding will purposely say things in a controversial way just to, just to draw them out and, uh, and show them how they're trapped, how they can be trapped uh, by, well, spiritual trappings, if you will, surrounded by them and in totally in a mundane uh, space that can even turn into an offensive space. What to speak of mundane... Hmm? turn into something against bhakti and uh, um, constitute even Vaishnava Parada and so forth. So these are important points. Anyway, here, as I mentioned, he says, who are the unauthorized speakers who don't represent the thing as it is, you know, exactly as it was heard? Mayavadis, yeah, it's a whole different sampradaya, it's a whole different philosophy. They have no business in the Bhagavatam where page after page Verse after verse, the transcendental eternal form of the Lord is glorified. The nectar of his eternal pastimes are glorified. And to take that and turn them into something that are occasional um, manifestations of sattva guna, no matter how nicely you say it, and they say it nicely, hmm? you want to hear you know, a glorification of Krishna that's really compelling and beautiful, read Madhusudan Saraswati's commentary on the Gita. I mean... If devotees had as much um, devotion to Krishna as he did, despite his misunderstanding, it, 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 he says, you know, the most comprehensive 
a charming, beautiful manifestation of Brahman, Saguna Brahman. You know, he really appreciates the historical, if you will, Krishna's descent. He just thinks, well, it goes back into Brahman and then it's over. And in the pastimes, our experience in the Jivan Mukta stage, they relished. Jivan Mukta stage is the stage while the Parabdha is still winding down. The plug's been undone. You're not. He's done making any more karma. It's over. Uh, all that's left is some Parabdha manifest karma. It's winding down. He's watching and witness it. He can meditate, read Bhagavatam, relish the pastimes, and so forth. This is how he explains the, how impersonalists sometimes relish the pastimes of Krishna with great relish. And Shankar wanted to retire on the banks of the Jamuna and just hear the nectarine talks about Krishna. And they actually got, they were really nectarized by them in a sense. Hmm? They really had an appetite for them, but they had an understanding about them that made them, well, non-eternal. They're saguna. And then to go to the videha mukti, videha, beyond, you know, leaving the body altogether and the, the karma ends, then there's no more pastimes, no more form, there's no more name. Hmm? These are powerful and they would say even spiritual, I think, they would say, um, tools, instruments to take us to the other side, to enter into Brahman. I mean, so you have devotees who have it right, philosophically, but don't have as much <laughs> appreciation and ability to even hear, listen, and, 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 and so forth. So, um, but they twist, they really don't have any business. It's probably used to like to say speaking the Bhagavatam, which is so, um, you know, you take Shankar's twisting of the sutras in such a way that, Vya, that Krishna Das says, Vyas Pranta. He's, he's, he's Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Devi speaking through the pen of Krishna Das and Chaitanya Charitamrita when he's, when he's enlightening the Prakashanda Saraswati, the Saratsanyasis at Banaris, the seat of Gyan and uh, really of Nirvishesh and Sunyavad. It's the seat of that there. And so uh, Mahaprabhu says, as far as I'm concerned, Shankar's commentary on the sutras says, this is what I hear when I listen to it, Vyas Branta means Vyas is crazy. Hmm? Vyas didn't know what he was talking about. Therefore, I'm going to tell you what he really meant. Hmm? And everywhere that he says, that he speaks about, and the, uh, the form uh, being eternal and so forth, uh, or, or in a theistic way, overtly theistic way. This is all talking about the Saguna Brahman. Hmm? And when he talks the other way, then he's talking about the Nirguna Brahman, and the Saguna Brahman is provisional, and the Nirguna Brahman is the ultimate, absolute finality, and so forth, and so on. That's, the, that's where, I think it's right in the first, first chapter of the, of, the, uh, of the Vedanta Sutra that he makes this two tiers of Brahman addition that's not anywhere there in the sutras. And so Mahaprabhu, or at least Krishnadas, anyway, he said it like that. This is what Mahaprabhu heard when he heard Vyasa's, um, or Shankar's rendering of the sutras, which he had heard from, for example, Sarbhuma Bhattacharya. There he said, oh, you've spoken something, but the Bhagavatam, but you've clouded it with the with the with the with your imagination, imagined meanings, and so on. While you're saying the form of Krishna is kind of imagined in a sense, 
regional, your your idea of Brahman. This is not what uh, clearly the Bhagavatam says. And the Bhagavatam, of course, is a, is a natural commentary on the sutras, so it's making it real clear. Hmm? And so, really, this is this is the worst place for the for the uh, Mayavads to try to book on basis of which to establish their position. But some dabble in it, not many. Shankar didn't say a word on Bhagavatam. Hmm? And Prabhupada used to like to kind of appreciate that. <laughs> but some do. And so these are the kind of people who don't say it as it is, who don't say it exactly as it's been heard from the previous jari. Them and Prabhupada singles out the professional reciters who have an agenda of their own for pratishta maybe, for making a lively, whatever it is. We'd see it sometimes in Vrindavan. They'd have a mela and a recitation of Srimad Bhagavatam. And outside there'd be, they had the carnival, you know, the Ferris wheel, cotton candy, and, you know, all, and just a mini all set up. And so people go hear the Bhagavatam, and then they come, kids get on the wheel, eat cotton candy, and go home, come back the next day. It goes on for seven days, you know. Nothing changes. There's no change of heart. There's no... Uh, it's a form of entertainment, if you will. Hmm? Some of the Leela dramas and so forth are a form of entertainment. I mean, it's a better form of entertainment than some forms of entertainment, but Prabhupada was concerned, and Bhaktisthan Sarasri Thakur, and real um, representatives of Bhagavatam concerned that, that it's spoken in such a way that there will be a change of heart. And that's what, so, what Sutta Goswami is talking about. Sutta Goswami, this, this, uh, we know that uh, Sukadeva Goswami had realization. His dress indicates that, and so forth, his persona. Now he'll go on from here a couple of verses, and uh, further glorify Sukadeva Goswami by speaking about what he has heard about him and so forth, and how that is ex- exceptional. As I said, then he will start to ask about Parikshit Maharaj, and then Sutta will speak and start to tell the story. So here's where we are in Srimad Bhagavatam. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam. Was the time? Oh, any question? Yes. So you were talking about Parodharma. And I was thinking of uh, Grandfather Bhishma's um, discussion with Yudhisthira Maharaj on Dharma. You know, again, I think. Uh, yeah. Bhishma? Bhishma, yeah. yeah. Grandfather Bhishma. Is that Parodharma? Or is, I mean, it sounds very much like Varnasha, you know, some of it at least. Well, um, I have to go look at, at everything he says there. Um, I'm sure there's more than than that, but um, the Bhagavatam is couched in this particular presentation, it's packaged essential message in a certain way that there will be sections that speak about Varnashram, you find it in the seventh canto, Prahlad Maharaj is speaking about, is it Prahlad? I think, or um, maybe Narada, about uh, Varnashram and so forth. So these things are there, they're brought up, but they're, 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 they're there to, for often for a way of contrasting with uh, the essential message, and so you have to have you have to read it in the right way to, so that you don't go off on. I mean, Hranikasipu says certain things in the Bhagavatam too. We could just take a verse of Hranikasipu and quote it and, and say this is what the Bhagavatam is all about and so forth. So that would be to shake it out of uh, context. 
I mean, what we find in the Bhagavatam in the story of Bhishma Dev is perhaps more than what he says, is what he does, and how he wants to see Krishna hmm, take up that wheel and uh, and um, and uh, what is it and um, break his promise. Hmm? So there's the Parodharma. <laughs> there's the Parodharma. Krishna breaks his promise. He's basically saying, who cares for the promise? Hmm? Uh, uh, to protect his devotee, he's going to break his promise. This is Parodharma. This is crossing over. That he's telling. He told one thing uh, according to the Dharma Shastra. Well, you shouldn't break your promise. This is a problem. It becomes impious. There'll be a reaction, whatever. This is what he's really all about. And so he did it, and he did it in a big way. He took up the wheel, and then Bhisma shot the arrows at him, and he shot him back, and Krishna was accepting the arrows like, like rose petal offerings. And, uh, and then, then the Bhisma's, Bhisma's position as a Mahajan is brought out there, because he's lying on a bed of arrows. He can dictate when he'll, when he'll pass from the world and so forth. It's not so much what he says... And I'd have to look at that because I haven't looked at that in a while. Uh, but besides that, you know that he that he that he, he he had that power, and he wanted to see Krishna. This is what this is what he wanted to see. He wanted to pass from the world, hmm? seeing Krishna's love for his devotees. That he was prepared to cross over the Varnashram or any vrata vow or any sense of piety hmm? that <laughs> that uh, that's relative. And uh, this is the vision of he wanted to see Krishna breaking his promise. Jai, you know, rules are not to be broken. So then he might speak so much Varnashram so he can get distracted by that. But the, the whole story is really about more than what he said. It's about what he did, how he wanted to leave the world, what was his heart. Hmm? So we have to have kind of a, you know we have to look at it uh, essentially. You know. But there are a number of things presented in the Bhagavatam, different places and different, uh, you know, you have the stories of the kings and, and they're all making a real kind of, largely a basic point. These people, Bharat, I mean, he, the whole India is named after him, right? It's called Bharat, that's his name. And he, you, know, you can, can't imagine what kind of a lifestyle the emperor of India had with many kingdoms under his jurisdiction and so And he gave it all up to live in a forest. And chant the holy name. That's supposed to mean like, what have you got to give up? You know, <laughs> in comparison. And he did that. You know, this is extraordinary. You should do that. It's these kind of so, uh, the stories all have the messages even beyond what may be spoken by a particular person in a particular place. Another question? Yes. Well, uh, let me give you a brief answer to that. Krishna means all attractive, irresistible. So we conceive of God as being the kind of the, the, the personification of all beauty and charm. And in other words, people are driven in this world by beauty, by charm. Um, you know, that's what melts our heart, and if people are affectionate to us, they can rule over us in a sense, more so than otherwise. I mean, we will be 
people could give us orders, people could make laws. We might follow them because we have to, but if somebody loves us, we follow them without thinking we're even following them. Hmm? We may follow them more closely than we follow any law. Hmm? We might be more obedient, and we don't even think I'm being obedient. So such is the nature of the, the power of affection to control. So we say that God is the con supreme controller, right? But in the fullest sense, it means that there must be a, an all-charming and beautiful manifestation of the Godhead That's because that's the ultimate power to control. We can control, by, as I say, by different reasons. So we find that we ourselves are controlled, are charmed primarily by beauty, by, by charm, by affection, and so forth, in mat material life. And so we think that the Godhead must ultimately be the supreme charm or the supreme beauty, must be all attractive, must be irresistible. So if you agree that God must be all attractive ultimately and irresistible, then Krishna is the right name for him. Hmm? Well, the, the, the name comes in the sacred texts. And let's look at the Bible. Let's look at the Quran. These are other types of sacred texts and other religions. So they have in the Quran as a name for God, Allah. It means the Almighty One. So God is the Almighty One, right? Okay, so Allah is a good name for Him. Um, Jehovah, what does Jehovah mean? Yahweh. It's mean? Yahweh. And Yahweh means? The Almighty One. Right? So these are names for God. Now, God is almighty, that's true. He's got all power. But that's speaking about how he controls by power. When we speak of Krishna, it's talking about how he controls by affection. So this is, a, we think, a more full manifestation of the Godhead. So while we accept the names of God given in other sacred texts, we also look at the meaning of those words, and then we understand the, 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 the idea of God that those texts are speaking about. We think that they speak about some aspects of, of God and our appropriate names for those aspects of God, but that, that the Bhagavatam speaks about God in a different way. And, and the fact that he's almighty also comes out in there, and there are names for that in Sanskrit as well. Mm -hmm. But the Christian name speaks about the Godhead in a most comprehensive way, and it comes through revelation, through the sacred texts. Mm -hmm. that help? A little bit. Chidari can help you with more of that and follow up on it and, uh, at a later setting. So we're out of time for the evening, but something to think about. Shri Krishna Bhagavan Ki Jai, Kantaraj Srimad Bhagavat Ki Jai, Kaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Kaur Premanandi.